Thank you for joining the midweek fix. Pastor Toby Chalk Knox, the water boy. We also have a special guest. We got Peter Hitchens. Yes. I'm sorry, the, who? Oh, Peter Hitchens on the show today. Yeah, you know, up. Not, not Christopher Hitchens, Peter Hitchens. Right. His brother. Yeah. I still can't figure out why he would come on this show. I don't know. He from, did. He from did. Across the and pond. we're going to talk about the most exciting Brexit stuff up to date. We're going to get up to date on Brexit. It's going to be great. Well, I love brisket. Um, if you guys aren't a club member, you. <laughs> go, go, go. Oh, man, just go. Keep going. Just... If you guys aren't a club member, please, you could sign up, fightlaughfeast.com, join the club. There's all sorts of uh, hidden content. I'm loving uh, seeing all the pictures of these pint glasses that are Isn't coming that up. Great? Fight, cool? laugh, feast, pint glasses. People and, filling them with. Beverages. Yep. I'm gonna tell you what I love. I love hearing all the people talk about enjoying uh, Proverbs with Pastor Toby, Wisdom for Kings. What? That's yeah. what I love. Yeah. People doing them with their kids in the morning. That's mm-hmm. awesome, man. Okay. And, and so for a limited time, limited edition, we got these pints going going out for the, we're we're getting low. So let Good. me just put it that way. We got 250 hey, pints. Sign getting up low. Now. And if you get one. Post a picture or social These media. These things are going to be going yeah. for like thousands on eBay. Listen, I know. Put I know. Those kids exactly. to work. They exactly. need to work. All right, we got one uh, uh, Ely Construction plug here. Um, if if you guys want to move to Moscow, you got to connect with Ely Construction. And and if you're good at construction, <laughs> also he's discriminating. Yeah, he's yeah, discriminating. He is. He is. Ely Construction. If you have ten plus years full time residential construction experience, love remodeling, would consider moving to the town. Recently voted best small town in America. I hate that <clears> to I raise don't. a family. Ely Construction has a lead carpenter position open. Go to Ely Construction forward slash lead for details. Uh, you got to basically have about 10 years of experience or more. Um, love to build houses. Know how to build a house from ground up. Contact EleyConstruction.com forward slash lead for that opportunity. We would love for one of our listeners to move to Moscow and work for Ely. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Kind of awesome. Hey, with us on the line is Mr. Peter Hitchens. He's an English conservative journalist and author he writes for the mail on sunday as a former foreign correspondent in the other moscow moscow russia and uh washington he has uh, published eight books including the abolition of britain the rage against god which i'm holding here in my hand now and the war we never fought as well as his latest the phony victory the world war ii illusion peter thanks so much for joining us on cross politic well, so far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. yeah. Your, for, your format is making me a little nervous. <laughs> you know what, Peter? I'll see how, I'll see how we go. It, it makes us nervous I'm, every I'm used, time. I'm used to something a bit more, a bit more stately. Yeah, right. Oh! Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Hold on. We're just a bunch of rowdy Presbyterians. That's it, man. <laughs> It's we're, we're, yes, all right. Well, we'll. I'd say we'll see how that goes. Right. <laughs> so uh, we want to talk about your favorite uh, subject in the whole world, which is Brexit. And uh, we yeah, want- it's not even a word that I use. <laughs> it, it, it sounds to me like an unpleasant laxative breakfast cereal. <laughs> uh, so, Peter, uh, for our for our you know American audience that honestly like confuses Brexit with brisket. Um, what is Brexit? Yes, well, that's another thing you can do. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's 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 a it's an attempt by the United Kingdom to uh, to leave the European Union, which is a, a unique uh, a unique body in the world. It's a supranational body in which the member nations are supposed gradually to submerge their own government and, to some extent, their own characteristics and their own laws 
into a supranational body which won't ever quite call itself a state but is a super state yeah. and the the motivation of it is to try to manage the very considerable difficulties of the european continent which have been evident a couple of times in the past hundred years or so that it is the western europe at least is, is inevitably dominated by the enormous economic and political and cultural power of germany but other countries in Europe don't necessarily wish to be dominated in that fashion. Right. So it's really it's an experiment in trying to in, in trying to manage that peacefully instead of instead of violently. And in some ways, it's been very successful. The problem with that is that Britain has always considered itself separate from the rest of, of Europe, and is of course physically separate, and, and and therefore hasn't undergone a lot of the experiences either of mm. occupation and invasion. Uh, or indeed uh, subjection to despotic government that the rest of the, of the continent has. So it simply doesn't feel the same way. Mm. And so when we joined the European Union back in 1972, uh, it was sold to us rather dishonestly as a as an economic project rather than a political one. Ah. Uh, people who understood the thing knew it was a political project, but in general, a lot of people at the time believed it was really just a common market in which trade would be easier and we'd all be more prosperous. And when mm. they found out as the years went by that it wasn't, they became more and more resentful. And then this uh, coincided with two things, a great deal, deal of discontent about economic decline and people's economic circumstances getting worse, and a great resentment over a very large-scale mass immigration, which has affected mm. Britain over the past 20 years, which right. has caused, as it always does on such a scale, a fair amount of resentment, most particularly among the poor. And this wouldn't normally have had a political expression because most of those who were most worried about it were those of our Labour Party, our, our, our theoretically left-wing major political party. And they wouldn't, the, the party loyalty is very tribal in Britain and they, they wouldn't have broken from their party. But then we held a referendum uh, which is pretty much contrary to our constitution. <laughs> and people were freed by that referendum for party and tribal loyalty. And many, many Labour voters voted to leave the European Union and found themselves in an unlikely alliance with quite a large number of Conservative voters who wanted to leave it for completely different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so we now end up in a country with two rival democratic uh, mandates, one for a parliament, which is still divided between Labour and Tory, Right. And one for this referendum in which there is a definite, not particularly uh, heavy, but a definite majority for leaving the EU. Well, the whole of our establishment is pretty much against doing that yeah. and has been trying over the past three years to either slow it down or sabotage it in one way or another. And it's caused an immense amount of frustration and, of course, now constitutional wrangle, which is doing a great deal of damage to our politics and has already destroyed a huge number of political careers and uh, two prime ministers. So it's mm. it's been extraordinarily damaging. It was it was misconceived in my view from the start. I played no part in it. I didn't vote in the referendum myself, although I have long wanted to secede from the European Union. It wasn't the way I would have chosen to do it. And I predicted a constitutional crisis three years ago and have been uh, having one of my few pleasures in, in life as I grow older. <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> why, why didn't you vote for it um, uh, three years ago? Why didn't I? Because I don't approve of, of referendums. I think the only country which, which holds plebiscites which are valid uh, is Switzerland, where the, they have to be held by popular demand. And I think that even, even then, that's part of the Swiss constitution. People say that Britain doesn't have a constitution, which is not quite true. We do have one, but it's written down in different places rather than one. <laughs> and it clearly gives a sovereignty to the crown in parliament over any other 
over any other force. And that's the way which, in which we've coped with universal suffrage. Democracy, Parliament has been the medium through which it has expressed itself. Mm. And if you have another expression of it competing with it in, 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 the, in a country like ours, then but you set up an, an absolutely unavoidable conflict which cannot be resolved. Mm. And yeah. It can't be. There is no resolution to it except, except conflict. And eventually there will have to be a compromise uh, which some of some of our members of parliament will have to accept because we simply can't go on in this limbo. But it, it, the compromise will probably mean that those who who sign up to it will be punished as the, as people who sign uh, unpopular peace treaties so often are. And I think it's it's just a very dangerous period in our national life. And I'm not at all sure how it will end. Uh, now, now that we're here, are you for it? Are you for getting out or? I'm for leaving, but not in this way. It seemed to me that the only way to do that was for a political party to arise which was committed to it, which would then win a general election with that as its program mm. and would be able to explain to itself and to others why it wanted to do it. Yeah. Half the problem with leaving the European Union at the moment is that people aren't agreed on, on why to do it. There are some people who are just fanatical free traders who think the only important thing in life is trade. Amen. And who <laughs> say, well, they say, well, I don't agree with them, but they say they, it's very materialist, uh, Reaganite, Thatcherite view, not a, certainly not a, a Christian or conservative one. It's, mm -hmm. it's knowing the price of everything and the value of nothing. And, of course, for them, leaving the European Union is absolutely essential because it's by belonging to its single market and its customs union, uh, Britain sacrifices an awful lot of freedom to, to trade and make its own trading arrangements. That, that yeah. actually doesn't bother me in the slightest. The thing that always troubled me was the supranational nature of it, mm -hmm. the way in which we increasingly became subject to a Supreme Court, which wasn't even in our country. Right. Uh, and that our system of law, the common law uh, system, and the, the, the whole basis of it in every way, right back to Magna Carta, couldn't conceivably uh, coexist endlessly with the continental system, which is largely Roman law, and without habeas corpus, magna carta, or, 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 or true presumption of innocence. Mm. And in oh. the end, it would be overwhelmed by it. And also, our parliament simply ceased to be a sovereign body, which was a violation of our constitution. Yeah, right. And we ceased to be an independent country. That was what bothered me. But those things have sort of been pushed into the background by the by, by the free traders in, in recent months. So it, it seems like EU is to Great Britain what Great Britain is to America in 1776. No, it, if only it were that simple. There is representation, for instance. There is a, a, a supposed European Parliament in which you can vote yeah. by, by list systems for, for, for members of, of an assembly which sure. technically represents you. And, and these elections are free. No one can complain that's not so. People who call it undemocratic are entirely missing the point. Uh, it, it is democratic in a way. It's just not democratic in a way that, that makes it very easy for people in, in a former sovereign country mm. to exercise their will. The difficulty is your sovereignty goes. As soon as the the, the, out, the the total veto over every change, which countries used to have at an earlier stage, had gone, uh, you you just became subject to an external authority, which which you which you can't remove. We, uh, as I say, there's some democratic accountability in it, not as much as there's no such thing as an opposition in it, which to a British person is particularly worrying, because uh, we've always had adversarial parliaments with with strong oppositions, and the, mm -hmm. the, the, the concept doesn't exist. 
So, no, it isn't. It, it's, the European Union is something entirely new. Nothing like it has ever existed before. Mm. And that's why a lot of people can't understand it or how it operates. Is it anything that's like... A, is but it, oversimplifying, oversimplifying it doesn't help. Sure. Is it, so... Um, yeah, Gabe. G- yeah, Gabe. <laughs> g- g- <laughs> um, is there any... Is, what about the parallel between um, the sort of federalism um, of the United States where the states are, were, were originally envisioned to have a certain amount of sovereignty... Um, and then this uh, central federal government that played a particular role in, in keeping the union. Is there any parallels there? It's closer, particularly because of the way in which the federal government has gradually accrued more and more power, which uh-huh. it really oughtn't yep. to have right. in the Constitution. But, right. but on the other hand, that was, that, was, that, was, that was unconstitutional in the United States. In the European Union, in the original Rome Treaty, which set it up, the, the the actual phrase is uh, in the original French is l'union de plus en plus étroite, which is translated as ever closer union. A more literal translation is ever narrower, which doesn't sound quite so cozy. Yeah. Uh, but this is written into it that there would be a, a, a political yeah. union which was closer and closer. And, and, and what's more, people who understood it recognized this from the start. There Got wasn't it. any doubt about it. So it's, it's, it's similar in operation, but it's not similar in intention. Intention, the European Union has always intended uh, gradually to abolish the political distinctions between its member nations. And this is mm. beautifully symbolized in the Schengen Agreement, under which many, many of the European continental countries have, have abandoned their borders. Now, it seems to me that a border, mm. like an army uh, and a currency, uh, which is another thing people have abandoned, is, is not a symbol of, of national sovereignty. It's a fact of national sovereignty. Mm-hmm. You don't have a border. Yeah. Then you aren't really a nation. But right. this, is, this, is, this is very heavily under- fascinating in large part. You can cross from France to Germany, from Spain to France, uh, from, from Germany to, to the Czech Republic. No border, no border control, nothing. It's astonishing. Yeah. Uh, and right. when you consider that, 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 that in fact, the, the setting up of borders was precisely what the Versailles Treaty of 1918 was about, it's rather interesting that we now live in a world where the, the removal of borders has become an ideal. Mm. So, Peter, help me. So, I think I'm, I think I'm getting this. I'm, I'm playing catch up. Forgive my American ignorance on this, but so it's, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, it, it will remind me of the fact that I'm not explaining myself. Very no, no, you're doing absolutely. Actually, you're helping me out a lot. I've been doing yeah. some reading, and you've been in this short time yeah. helped me get a lot further <laughs> really than helpful. most yeah. of my reading and find out on YouTube. Uh, so, <laughs> so it seems like that the UK people really have decided to leave the the EU, but what it seems to be the the kind of the friction right now is why and what and how it's actually going to happen. And so it seems like a big mess. You guys have decided to leave. Now the how is being worked out and it, right? But it's, it, but it's like starting with the instruments and then going to the weather. I, yes, there has been a vote in which a majority, not a dramatic majority, it's, it's, it's about 52 to 48% yeah. are in favor of leaving. And it's not overwhelming by any matter of means. And then you have to you have to look at the other point. I don't know whether any of you have ever broken uh, a leg or have a leg in plaster. Oh. Well, if you have, I'll tell you, I did it many years ago. But during the time your leg is in plaster, the muscles on that leg atrophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. not using them. And it's astonishing when the plaster comes off, the thing which really makes you gasp is to see that, that, that all your muscles have wasted away. Yeah. And this is what's happened to Britain in nearly, in, in nearly 50 years of, of not ex- exercising national sovereignty, mm-hmm. not making its own trade arrangements, mm-hmm. and, and indeed being economically dominated by another power, it simply doesn't have the muscles it had before. Mm. Wow. So suddenly to step out into the world as, a, as an independent economic and indeed political power without the, the, either the recent experience or the strength is not going to be terribly easy. 
Then you put into that the fact that there is a huge number of people who really, really don't want to leave. Right. And so it seems to me that in, under those circumstances, an intelligent person would say, well, we plainly, what we plainly need to do here is to have a compromise. We can't get all the way out. Uh, and and, and it, even if we tried, it wouldn't work. And we have to respect the feelings of the huge number of our fellow citizens who don't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But this is precisely the, the, the feeling which has simply not been reflected in our politics, which has become more and more divided between fanatical, let's get out now, and fanatical, let's cancel the whole referendum, hold it again, mm-hmm. in the hope it has a different result, and go back on the whole, on, on the whole process. I stuck from the beginning. Uh, with a with a compromise it, it, to do roughly what Norway has done, which is to remain within the single market and possibly the customs union as well, uh, and 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 have very close trading relations with the European Union, but to have no judicial or political relations with it, uh-huh. and that would seem to me to to satisfy both sides. But I cannot, uh, in the current political atmosphere, get anybody to listen to this extremely sensible idea. Of this, <laughs> which is still fanatics to the left of me. Yeah. Fanatics to the right of me. And this is the really funny thing for me, is this for many years, I thought I was the only person who cared about it. I and my friend Christopher Booker, who sadly died a few months ago, uh, who wrote the book on the whole subject, uh, had both for years and years and years been ardent secessionists on the grounds basically of constitution and law and independence. Okay. And suddenly we found ourselves surrounded on all sides by, by, by people who hadn't cared about it at all or who had been in favor of staying five years ago, huh. who were now absolutely passionate advocates of leaving. And I, I do find it astonishing, the number of people who, who really genuinely couldn't care less about it 10 years ago, huh. who are now mm. well to the, I suppose, the right of me on this, uh, and who, who regard me as a traitor. Huh. Uh, it, it, mm. has, it has done that thing which a real national division, I don't know whether you, we, we've had them, we had it over the Munich Agreement, we had it over the Suez Crisis, and, uh, and, and the country really divides, and people stop talking to each other. Yeah. But I think that's you haven't done anything like it's a civil war when families are actually divided against each other. We're working on it, though. Yeah, we're, the, we're... the fanaticism is the fanaticism. I think you may be yeah. the fanaticism is terrifying, and it, of course, fanaticism is hostile to reason. Uh, and but my view has been from the start that we would move from being half in to being half out. That was possible, and it will eventually, I think, be what happens. So speaking but in between now and then, we have an awful lot of fanaticism and shouting to cope with. So speaking of shouting and uh, fanaticism, is is Boris Johnson your Donald Trump? Well, in a way, uh, in that he he rides a similar wave at the moment. He has yeah. enthusiasts who who are uh, who are as, as uh, completely impervious to doubt about his. <laughs> That's a great way to put uh, it. Beyond put it. beyond that. <laughs> Beyond that, no, because because Johnson, his name isn't actually Boris. Boris is a sort of right. spare name which he right. uses as a stage name. Okay, and has in fact done since he was at school. But it's an interesting fact about it. He's known to his friends and family as Al or Alexander. Okay, and the, the uh, Boris appeals to the, to the mm-hmm. to, to to people who want to be matey with him and imagine that he's their friend in the way that people do with celebrities. It's a great stage. He name. is not by any means a Donald. He's not a Donald Trump. He's an intelligent, highly educated person. Oh. Who could probably hold this conversation conversation in Latin. Uh, he reads. Right. Uh, he, uh, he's had experience of life. He's he's lived abroad. Uh, he has. I mean, he's he's personally he he lives a life of of, of, of far from blameless probity. It's very unlike the home life of our own dear Queen. 
leaving a trail of um, of lovely women behind him, many of them holding babies. But it, it's, Ooh, it, he is wow. Uh, so he's not in in his personal life in any way conservative, just like Trump. Uh, but he is, on the other hand, I say undoubtedly a cultured and intelligent person, which I I, I would not, I'm afraid, I'd say was the case of your current president. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to go back to you were talking. We were talking about the idea of leaving or not leaving, and you said, hey, you know, it's like a leg that's been in a cast, yeah. and if it doesn't operate, then the, you know the muscles. Atrophy. Atrophy, yeah. So, but here's the thing. If you stay in the EU, are, you're still not able to operate that muscle in the same way because you're going right back into the cast. Wouldn't you have to get out of the cast in order to be able to operate that muscle? Well, it is an argument, yes. It's, and, and some people would advance it. But then the question is, how, how has this gone on so long? Uh, have we spent so long in the uh, all metaphors have this problem that if you sustain the imagery it becomes a bit a bit flaky yeah. but ha- has have we have we been out of it for so long we simply have lost the capacity to to regenerate mm. and this is my fear it is a very long time since we since we sacrificed our independence Mm. So, As I say, it was 1972 when the when the treaty was signed, and, right. and, and that is that, that is a very very long time ago. Are we talking about are we talking about freedom? I mean, is that, I mean, is that really what, when you say national sovereignty? I mean, the, no, the, I don't think we are. To, there, there are there certainly are attacks on freedom in Britain, but like many of the problems of Britain, they they don't have much to do with the European Union. That's the other thing. There's an awful lot of people have, have fixated on the European Union as the source of all our problems. Okay. Well, it's undoubtedly the source of some of our problems. I suspect it has a lot to do with our industrial decline. Uh, it has a lot to do with the hollowing out of our institutions because they've lost their authority and handed it over to a foreign power. Yeah. Uh, but there are many, many other things wrong with Britain, uh, particularly our catastrophic education system and mm-hmm. our very, very severe indebtedness as a country and indeed our, our cultural and moral decline, which simply can't be blamed on the European Union. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for the enormous amount of of, of mass immigration, which took place really, I suppose, in the in, in the late 1990s and, and early part of the 21st century, is that we have in our country a very large number of young people who are we call them neets, not in education, employment, or training. It's because nobody wants to employ them. Huh. Our school system is so bad, and our family breakdown is so bad that we have large numbers of young people who are effectively unemployable. So if you want all kinds of basic jobs done in that society. You have to import people to do it. You can't mm. blame wow. that on the European Union. Right. Mm. Wow. Uh, but, but the tendency is to blame everything on the EU and, 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 and to call it the source of all our problems. And that's, that's another danger. No, I, I think that the argument that we might regenerate is there, though I have to say that the state of our manufacturing industry is so bad now. Mm. But I don't think, unless we made a, a huge discovery of, of oil or natural gas very close to our shores in the next few years, which we could exploit, because we've spent all the oil and gas money we had in the 70s, mm. unless we find something like that and become as rich as Norway, I do not see how we could regenerate the industrial base which we've lost. Mm. And what is it that Britain makes anymore that people buy abroad? Mm. Almost nothing, except to some extent weapons. Uh, porridge okay, so scotch pe- whiskey scotch whiskey yeah, scotch yeah. whiskey and, 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 and we'll and give weapons. you that weapons. Yeah. so so Pete, i got two more questions for you that I, and i think we have to let you go here but one of them was how do you make the uk great again i don't think you necessarily can i think half our problem oh. is our unwillingness to accept that we're not we're not a great power anymore uh that we we had our we had our time at the summit in the sun and it was great while it lasted but it's ridiculous to imagine that a country of even now, what, 65, 70 million people in a small and crowded island with not very many natural resources, unable to feed itself uh, without importing stuff, is going to become a world power again. It was a series yeah. of, of benevolent accidents which propelled us 
into the uh, Victorian state of being the world's greatest nation and empire. And, and, and that we've now we've, wow. we've now spent all that. I mean, the old wow. Robert Browning uh, poem, A Toccata of Galupis, Venice spent what Venice earned. Uh, we we had it, we spent it, and if we want to be prosperous and happy and free now, we need to find a new level at which to operate. Myself, I prefer it not to be as a dependent country, but uh, I don't think that we should we should pretend uh, that we're still a major power or even actually a major economy, unless you count debt as being a, 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 a significant part of a successful wow. economy, in which case we're doing very well. <laughs> um. <laughs> Ouch! Um, that's not the answer I wanted. I was hoping you were to be a little more hopeful and yeah. brighter outlook. But okay, that's no, no, no. I don't. I don't do that. Don't shoot me or cuss me out for this last question. Um, what if anything does this have to do with your friends across the pond here in America? Mm. Oh, a lot. The, the United States was from the, from pretty much from the beginning very keen on having a single telephone number for Europe. And in fact, there are documents showing that the, 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 the CIA actually got involved in the European movement early on, campaigning in, in, in European countries. We're sorry. For Europeans. Yeah, we're sorry. Yeah. Well, it's all right. I mean, I, I understand this impulse. It's just, I think, because the United States thinks it's so wonderful, it imagines everybody else wants to be the same. But there are two things wrong with it. One, of course, that it's, it's not the United States. Secondly, that bringing together established nations with their own cultures and ways of doing things is much, much more complicated and difficult mm -hmm. than bringing together 13 colonies. Yeah. Uh, and and it, 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 it is a wholly different character project. I don't think, though, the USA cared all that much about that. I think from its foreign policy point of view, it, doesn't, it didn't want there to be another, another European war. Uh, which is damaging to, to everything, sure. not, just, uh, not, just, uh, not just being expensive in, in, in having to bring to an end by intervening, but also damaging economically and distressing to witness. So they thought, well, the best way to avoid it was the supranational body. And it, in, for, particularly for France and Germany, I think it generally works. And they seem happy with it, and I, I, I would not. I would absolutely don't want to try and break that up or destroy it. I just think it, it, mm -hmm. it works better yeah, if it. Britain is on the margins of it rather than rather than yeah. in it. And uh, it, there's no real benefit for Britain in being in it, though there are obviously trade and economic benefits of being on good terms with it. But that's a different question. Mm -hmm. What What is the relationship between um, what does repentance and faith in Christ have to do with all these problems that Great Britain's going through right now? Well, I, directly, I, I, so often I find that modern politics is, is itself blasphemous because in, in many ways people have, have placed uh, onto the shoulders of politicians uh, the cares and concerns which they used to place in the hands of God. Mm -hmm. And they expect far more of politics out of, mm -hmm. out of elections than it's reasonable to do so. Yeah. And they, I, I think the, the, the phrase satanic optimism, which I think comes from one of the 19th century Popes occurs to me here this belief in an e endless material progress yeah. mediated by political success, uh, which is itself a mistake. Another characteristic of the European Union, surprisingly given the the Christian origin of, of, of many of its political figures, is that it is explicitly secular. Yeah. When attempts were made to put uh, to, to, to put a, a, a Christian element into its constitution, they were specifically and energetically rejected. It is fundamentally secular. Huh. Uh, it's wholly uh, wedded to the, the moral and social and sexual revolution and, and very yeah. much on the side of it. And many of its directives are concerned with, with enforcing 
what it terms equality, which is of course not so much equality as the dethroning of the old of the old uh, of the old Christian elements of uh, yeah. of the major European nations. So to that extent, it, 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 the, the the Christian person looking at it has to has to be concerned that it is a secular thing and it's a it's a promotion of ideas which are dangerous uh, to religious faith. But on the other hand, the person who who, who dislikes war has to see some sense in, in the Franco-German pact, which is at the heart of it. But as I say, that's for them. It doesn't necessarily need to involve any other countries, and it certainly doesn't need to involve mine. Yeah. Mm. So why, why was the speaker yelling so much, and who was the lady in black? I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure which 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 event you're. I, uh, John Burkow does yell a bit. And it, 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 actually, I, I I I quite like him. Yeah, um, me I don't, too. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know him that well, but I have. I, I spent an entire car journey with him, chatting to him, and he's he's not a fool, and also he you know, he has been valuable in yeah. in maintaining the independence of Parliament from the executive, which is a vital part of our mm. constitution. Sure. I, I defend him on that. Uh, but he is a bit of a performance artist. <laughs> you um, might need so that. that. <laughs> and if you if you give someone access to a television camera, then we should never have televised our parliament. It was a grave mistake. It has done it. It's done huge damage. When I went, when I first worked down at Westminster back in the 1980s, the, there was no television in parliament. Ah. Uh, the radio had just been introduced. There was no, and they, the behaviour of MPs is totally different. Interesting. And the, the, the whole place is much more serious. The television has has as almost invariably does has damaged it. Wow. Mm. See, Peter, that wasn't nearly as bad as you thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, see, that was all right. Peter Hitches, if people want to follow you on Twitter or Facebook, where yeah. can they find you at? Or a website? What is that? Well, it, it, because it, if you are a minor celebrity, it's quite hard to use your own name. They, I, I, my, and, and also because the name you think of has always also been got by somebody else. My Twitter handle is impossible. Uh, it's Clark Micah, which is a backwards Micah Clark, which in even deeper obscurity is the name of a novel by Arthur Conan Doyle, the inventor of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, but if you, I think actually, if anybody really tries and looks for Peter Hitchens, uh, and they find the one with the blue tick rather than the, the other, the, the, the parody accounts which don't have the blue tick, uh, then they'll have found me. It should be fairly obvious when you do. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, thank you for joining us, Peter. If you're single, get well, married. No, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them until Sunday. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics.